Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Brian and Paul. Henshin? Uh, Gesundheit. Transform! Tokusatsu! Oh my. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, guys, is Paul having a stroke right now? It's morphin' time! Ah, I see. Well, that was interesting. So uh, while yeah. Paul gets his excitement in check, I'd like to welcome everyone to episode 48. Hi, the long-awaited and long-overdue Power Rangers episode. Woohoo! Yeah. That's right. 48, that's the number of henshin hero shows that Power Rangers is based on. I'm, I'm a little I'm a little jazzed up right now, if you can't tell. Because this is a very exciting episode, and we are joined by special guest Dan B. from Alaska, which no, is closer right. to Japan than I've ever been. That's probably true. <laughs> which makes you especially well-versed in this topic. Fun, so, fact, <laughs> fun fact, I can see Russia from my house. Wow, oh, that is impressive. <laughs> the, news, the news makes oh, it sound like that's all problem. made up, you know? It's unbelievable. <laughs> so, Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you suggested Power Rangers as a topic? Okay, so actually, I am no longer Daniel B. from Alaska. I'm Daniel B. from Battle Creek, Michigan. That doesn't really have as good of a ring to it, but um, it doesn't. But hey, that's a little closer than hey, Alaska. And that's where Tony Tiger's from. I mean, there's worse places to be from. Yeah, we're great. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm a kindergarten teacher, um, and I pick Power Rangers because that's pretty much my childhood. I remember, you know, going to school trying to wear the same like color green every time because that's you know I wanted to be the Green Ranger, and who didn't, you know. So, oh, 400 definitely. foot dragon, of course, <laughs> right? But, but, but he was a bad guy. <laughs> but then he was a good <laughs> was guy. He? Was That's he true. Really? <laughs> uh, I mean, he did try to kill them all. But he was maybe he was just misunderstood. <laughs> That's probably what it is. I mean, all, all all great heroes are truly misunderstood. You know. <laughs> yes. There's a. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that meme about the Green Ranger about. Um, uh, the, the meme is him playing his uh, his sword as a oh. flute. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I have it pulled up. Would you like me to read it? Please do, yes. <laughs> yes. I was trying to paraphrase the, it, and I couldn't quite remember the, it. The, this is, yeah, this is one that's important to, to get right. Uh, it says, couldn't sleep last night. It's got a picture of the Green Ranger with his dagger, and he's, like, calling the Megazord. Or his dragon sword, and it says, "Couldn't sleep last night. I kept thinking about how the Green Ranger had a dagger that was a flute that sounded like a synthesizer, trying to sound like a trumpet, and he <laughs> blew into it with his helmet on." <laughs> <laughs> My whole childhood was ruined when I saw that the first time. <laughs> I think That's I've amazing. seen that too, and I've, ha- I've had the same feeling. It's like, why do you have to ruin good things? <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things that's right that's right that's like the the that's like the whole rugrats the, uh like conspiracy theory everything that was like great and pure in our childhoods has been completely ruined by us as adults yes yes fan fan theories are, are what makes the world crap itself wasn't wasn't there something on the internet that was saying how rocco was a phone sex operator 
Is he that, was. That's actually true. That, yes, <laughs> that is actually there true. was an episode in which that was the case. Oh my lord, now my childhood is definitely ruined. <laughs> yes, uh, in fact, uh, the C- Carlos Alasakiri, or I, I can't remember if I'm saying his last name right, uh, but he was in Reno 911 and was also the voice of Rocco, recently confirmed that the movie or the adaptation that they're doing for uh, the the special that's coming up is actually going to be more like season one and two. So it's going to be kind of that like hidden adult humor and stuff in uh, it. So I'm interested to check that out. Should be interesting to see what they do this time. Yeah, well, if you missed our last episode, you should really check it out when the gang and I talked about uh, the WB channel. You can find that in all of our past episodes at www.datingourselvespodcast.com, on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcast. How'd you guys like that transition? That was good. Beautiful. Seamless. Very awkward. <laughs> uh, also, I would like to mention that I found my podcast today in Brian's Dog's Food Bowl. Oh, that would explain the uh, digestive issues. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was kind of slobbering all over it, and it's got some chew marks in it, but it seems mostly fine. Yeah, that wasn't what I was referring to. <laughs> <laughs> this is normally the part where I would say, let's get this started, but I feel like we already have. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> if you haven't figured it out by now, this week I'm leading a discussion on Power Rangers, submitted by folks from all over the world. We have Morton of Morton! Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, Thomas M. of the UK, and Daniel B., formerly of Alaska. Daniel B. of BC. We'll do that. There you go. That works. Yeah, right next to Alaska. All right. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it can have multiple meetings. That's right. <laughs> also, a chip chip cheerio to Thomas M. in UK. Thank you. Yeah, sure. I hear Dan does a great British accent. Oh, yes. It's fantastic. <laughs> we all want to hear it. <laughs> pip, pip, cheerio. <laughs> Harry Whoa, Potter. When did we get to Britain? <laughs> it's like you're really well, there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have to mention, too, we forgot to give some props to Morden, show regular Morden, for suggesting another recent topic we covered, Brian's favorite band of all time, Modest Mouse. Oh, yes. I guess, I guess we got a little carried away razzing one of our co-hosts. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Boy. Well, we have no new five-star written reviews for this week, so nothing new to share. But remember, five-star reviews uh, really do help support the show, and it's a cheaper way to support us than lending us money, because it's free. Um, plus, you know, we'll be able to read your five-star written review on air um, as a way to say thanks. If you'd like to hear your own words read on the uh, glitzy internet equivalent to radio waves, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star written review on any of your podcast listening platforms. Scout's honor, we will read it. I'm not sure you want to give them that kind of carte blanche. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. All those 15-year-olds on Twitter that keep DMing me and telling me we suck, if you put that in a five-star review, I will gladly read it verbatim. (laughs) (laughs) I always read them in the, what's the guy from Happy Gilmore that always says, you jackass? (laughs) You suck, you jackass. When I I read those DMs, I uh, do it in his voice, and it makes them so much better. That's awesome. Okay, if you actually get one of those five-star reviews, you have to read it in that voice. Now that you've turned it up on the airwaves. (laughs) 
if that were truly, you know, if we really held everything we said we were going to do on air, then Brian would have already watched uh, Sleepaway Camp. We oh, probably guess. would have been to the moon by now. We'll get there eventually. I feel like <laughs> podcast live from the moon. Yeah, we as a, a as a as a threesome as a trio have not been to the moon, but um, I feel like we as a human race have. So I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not putting off Sleepaway Camp. We can definitely do that. <laughs> I think Halloween is just right around the corner. So, yep. Well, remember, guys, we will pick next week's episode topic at the end of the show. It will be nostalgia combat. Nostalgia combat. Ooh, that sounded good. That was like very harmonious, guys. <laughs> nice job. So it'll be me and guess who versus Brian and the show Cheers. We will also visit our old friend Dennis Hopper of Imagination. <laughs> no, scratch that. The Hopper of Imagination to get another topic for Paul. So, Paul, tell us about Go Go Power Rangers. Do, 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 I also apologize for just getting us. <laughs> it's our solo. Playing that on your flute dagger, right? <laughs> that, that's all Dan, man. <laughs> that, that was me. I got the I got the music in my soul. That's right. He, he's channeling oh, nice. his inner dragon force, <laughs> which does sound like Power so, Rangers music. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so this is the part of the show where I usually tell a random aside before we actually start um, addressing the topic, but this time they happen to be related. Ooh. Oh. So, a couple of years ago, Dan came in from Alaska, and he came over to visit, and he told my four-year-old son, Josh, that he was a Power Ranger from Alaska, and that someday, (laughs) he would bring him to Alaska for Power Ranger training, and he could be the Yellow Ranger. (laughs) Guess what he brings up on his birthday every year, Dan? Oh, I, I can't imagine what that would be. (laughs) <laughs> I guess we're gonna have to take a trip back to Alaska. <laughs> this is really just Dan's way of like getting some company to visit him. <laughs> yeah, we, we we didn't get a lot of visitors up in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, that was my hint for, for the Paul bears. to come up and visit. Yeah, what, what's the Amtrak schedule to Alaska these days? <laughs> oh yeah, it's not pleasant. I looked at it. I flew my wife there three times, and that was part of why I never went because we could only afford one ticket. Yeah, I, I believe <laughs> that sounds it. Sounds about right. You could always drive the Elcan. That's a lot of fun. Not true, but. The kids in the car, that's just sc- how you did it with all of your family. I <laughs> With with a four-month-old and a toddler oh my and a ten-year-old. Yeah. Jeez. I feel like there was a lot of night drinking involved in that. Oh, actually, Ike was completely sober the whole trip. I You should wow. be proud of me. You must have the patience of, like, the Dalai Lama or something. Kindergarten teacher. <laughs> That's true. Good point. <laughs> That'll Good do point. it. Good point. That'll do it. So that's my aside. Uh, someday, Dan, we will have to address that with okay. Josh. All right. But I haven't felt the need to break his heart yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we can talk about Power Rangers, we need to go all the way back to 1960s Japan. 
Whoa. Why? And believe it or not, it's actually relevant. And I will do my best to keep this part at a minimum because I know everybody wants to talk about the Dragon Zord. But my favorite part of Power Rangers is as much as how it came to be as the show itself. So I feel like I have to cover the history or I wouldn't be doing it justice. Fair enough. All so right. Everything we love about the Fox Kids show, we can thank Shintaro Ishimori for. In 1968, he created a manga that's a backwards comic book for the uneducated. Oh, I thought it was like a, like a fruit. With I it. thought it was that stuff that comes out of a volcano. Isn't that manga? Like manga? <laughs> yes. Liquid hot manga? The, the manga. Yeah. I think it's that big guy from Blazing Saddles that's in the cell next to Gene Wilder. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Paul. <laughs> Nope, I was going to go with a joke there and decided that I probably shouldn't say it. <laughs> so he created a manga called Skull Man. And Skull Man was a very dark, singular superhero that was also part cyborg that for the most part appeared human and then would henshin or transform into uh, his alter ego, Skull Man, and save the day and defeating an evil underlord organization called Crime. And it was listed as an acronym and the acronym doesn't translate. So in the U.S. version, Crime stood for Criminal Organization. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's kind of hitting they, the nail right on the head a little bit, don't you think? Agreed. I just love that they still did C period, R period, I period, M period, E period. And then in the, you know, glossary of terms, it said criminal organization. <laughs> so what does the RME stand for? Then? And why do they spell criminal orga- organization? Why do they spell organization with an I? <laughs> Well, there's an I-O, and I don't know. I I teach kindergarten. (laughs) (laughs) So, Shintaro Ishimori created this manga, and then he went on to create another manga based on its success called Cyborg 009, which was very similar in plot, but it featured a team of five people, but they were all the color red. Don't ask me why. But that was the start of a group of a team of five people, and both shows were similar, and they were uh, heroes that were designed to fight a singular bad guy that sent waves of bad things after them. Hmm. And shortly thereafter, he uh, started working with a company called Toy um, and, uh, and Bandai, who later would buy Toy and Toy Animation, and they produced a show called Go Ranger. Um, Go Ranger is known or is the first iteration of Super Sentai. Sentai is Scientific Squadron, uh-huh. and that would be what we would come to know as the Power Rangers. And this, the TV show, would have come around in 1975. Oh my! So, that explains so much of like when you have the scenes, especially when you're fighting like the large monsters. Why everything looks like it was filmed in the 70s. Yes, you're not wrong. They did reuse a lot of those scenes, but well, I'll get to that in a minute. Sure. And there's actually a big part of this, and I'm going to shoot myself for uh, skipping over it. Before Go Rangers, he did a singular hero show called Common Rider. Oh yeah. Which for those, oh yeah, for those of you who know me, Common Rider is like my favorite superhero series right. or send off or universe or whatever you want to call is it. that is that the equivalent to mask writer now that i'm going way yes. in the weeds 
No, that's not way in the weeds at all. Mask Rider is the U.S. adaptation of Common Rider, and Common means mask. Okay. Well, good. I feel smart. (laughs) So Skullman became a live-action show called Common Rider, and it ran from 1971 to 1975, and it was very dark in tone, and it was marketed towards kids from a toy perspective, but the storylines were much more adult. And uh, that uh, blew up, became a huge sensation, mostly because of the toys that were being produced by Bandai. And that is what led to Ishimori getting his second series, which was Go Ranger. Go Ranger was, uh, for the 70s, was the most powerful franchise. It went um, 130 episodes from 75 to 78, and it was syndicated internationally. And it got a uh, English dub known as Star Rangers. And if you go out to the Internet Archive and you search for Go Rangers, you can actually see the first eight episodes of the English dub from the Philippines. Oh, wow. Well, I, oh, nice. Well, I know what I'm doing this evening. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to use that phrase a lot. <laughs> so Go Rangers is what we, when we think of Power Rangers now, Go Rangers is the first formation. You have your colored unit of five. So Go Rangers um, had a lot of the tropes that we see today. Uh, you had your five squad. You had a general that was overseeing all the operations. And most of the early Sentai series, uh, they were a, a criminal organization to be discovered, a general or scientific professor or some sort of entity would form a squadron. They would identify five candidates and that would make up your Power Rangers squad or Sentai Squad, and Sentai is a scientific squadron, which is where the name comes from. In the first series, they did not have Zords, they did have motorcycles, and they had huge over or oversized motorcycle uh, helmets with very big goggles. <laughs> and they had no weapons whatsoever except for, um, except for martial arts. However, they did have a finishing move where they would take out a ball, like it was like a rugby ball. I I don't. What's the term for a rugby ball? Is it a ball? You know what I'm talking about. It's like kind of like the squarish football thing. I think that's what it's called. So they would count out their number and color in order, and they would kick this ball around, and then they would get to red one, and he would kick it at the bad guy, and they would explode. And that started the trend of standing in front of the bad guy as he explodes and doing the cool pose while something's blowing up in the This sounds like a very, very Japanese version of Quidditch. Yes, (laughs) very much so. Um, following up to the success with that, they immediately had to rush out more toys and because they needed more toys in the second series, which the English title of the second series is lucky aces. They had a weapon, which was a cannon and each character had a part of the cannon that they would assemble. So like the very first person would put down the wheels. And when I say cannon, I'm talking like a pirate cannon. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) Like exactly what that's not the like, visual I was getting at all, but okay. Yeah, I was thinking like Pachelbel cannon, you know? 
<laughs> da, no. da, da, so da, literally, da. they set down the wheels and then the wood base that would hold the cannon. And, you know, they yell out their color and number and each person puts a part on it. And then the uh, last person actually, like, lugs the cannon on their shoulder and they whip it into place. And then they shoot the bad guy, um, you know, the monster of the week. And it literally blows a hole through him and then he explodes. <laughs> you would think the processing time that, that it takes to put the cannon together that the bad guy would have, like, use some sort of power to just get defeat well, them at that point hold on he was we... frozen by the power of montage <laughs> right. ah there you go there you go <laughs> we gotta have he cued the music we have to wait till the music it's the rules <laughs> i'm just gonna stand there so and like the, wave my fist angrily in one place the um the English title of the show, which is Lucky Aces, uh, was because each character was represented by a playing card, then with a joker. So you had an ace, king, queen, jack, and a joker. Huh. Pre- uh, following Lucky Aces, uh, that cues Marvel to start working internationally. When I say Marvel, I do mean um, Marvel Comics and oh, their oh, associated the properties. Fame, right? Of Howard the Duck fame. <laughs> also, like, yeah, uh, you know, Thor and Iron Man and shit like that. Yeah, those lesser but heroes. But Howard the Duck. That was their first big movie. <laughs> Little known fact. Paul, I have a question. So, yes. Um, since you said this is kind of all based on, well, not based on toys, but they did a lot of uh, production of toys around the show. Was that the reason for why, like, every single year a new series would come out? Because they needed to, like produce more toys to keep the kids interested? That is correct. Um, Most of everything, Power Rangers, Sentai, Master Rider, Kamen Rider, all of the money is from the toys, licensing and merchandising, and the stage shows that accompany it. And yes, there are stage shows every year. That's amazing. um, I had no idea. uh, So that's why they refresh it every every year because you got to get new toys. And because of that, they become more and more collectible that you have to get the set. Yeah. And as things went on, they would start to incorporate what they would refer to as the legends. So they would take like previous popular characters and then they would work out a way to reintroduce them into the show. (coughs) White Ranger. (laughs) And uh, that's how they would, uh, you know, give you a new toy as well as marketing an old toy, but part of the new set. Nice. They're very smart when it comes to that. So, 1978, Marvel starts to expand international, and they enter a three-year agreement with Toy to license their properties uh, for the purpose of producing TV shows, toys, and anime. And that is what gives us what is known in the States as the Japanese Spider-Man. Oh, oh yes. yes. So Definitely remember that. Wow. The Japanese Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man, is the... Uh, pretty much the closest thing we get to common power rangers in this era of sentai um in this iteration of spider-man spider-man was uh bitten by he wasn't bitten by a spider an alien from space came to him and said that i'm dying and i need you to uh carry on my life's work and defend the earth from these evil creatures And the guy, as he was dieting, turned into a spider. And then once he was a spider, he could still communicate with Spider-Man. And he became the source of his power. 
Spider-Man would wear a wristwatch and he would actually henshin and he would turn into Spider-Man. And if you've never seen clips of it, he has his whole suit packed in this little wristwatch and he pushes a button and it expands out into a full suit standing in front of him and then he quick puts it on. It's That transition is real <laughs> bad looking. I will make sure to post some GIFs of it. It is some of the finest, worst uh, stop-motion animation you've ever seen. Oh, for sure. And this was the introduction of, because we need more toys, and Spider-Man alone is not enough because he's a singular hero, as opposed to the Sentai shows, which had five heroes. This is where we introduced swords. So Zord, uh, Spider-Man had Marveler, who was the spaceship that the alien that bestowed his power on him came from space, uh, arrived in. And he had all sorts of cars and motorcycles and gizmos that would come from Marveler. And then when they all assembled together, they would turn into a giant robot that would always use the finishing move of Sword Vigor, where he would swing his sword at the bad guy and the guy would vaporize. Yes, and he actually Classic. does say that, let me use my sword vigor, and he removes the sword from his belt and strikes the bad guy. It's just <laughs> as bad as it sounds. And let every me use episode, my sword vigor. Yes. <laughs> every episode ends with uh, Marveler uh, posing in front of the bad guy because he strikes it, spins around, faces the camera. If a robot could wink, he would. And yep. then uh, the bad guy explodes. Yeah, it's it's definitely something to behold. If you guys have never gotten a chance to watch that, uh, I, a couple months back, me and Paul and some other people watched like maybe the first four yeah, episodes yeah, together. Um, it it was it, it certainly wasn't nothing. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's a lot of uh, what I would consider kind of like the the precursors of like putties in that as well too. So he would do a lot of hand to hand. Yeah, okay. that is exactly yeah, where a lot the hand to hand combat with these like the gray, basically yep. faceless, characterless characters. Um, so anyway, yeah. Oh, they're the so, unnamed henchmen, like in right, Austin right. Powers. <laughs> you you don't have a chance. You don't even have a name tag. <laughs> Pretend you're doing stuff. Not you, henchmen over there <laughs> turning the knobs. Not you. <laughs> so I, I will skip through the next four iterations really quickly, but I will just bring up one quick fact about each because it plays into what would become the Power Rangers. Uh, skipping a few ahead, uh, Sun Vulcan was the next iteration of Sentai to feature a sixth Ranger squad. It was the first show to have a sixth Ranger introduced in the middle of the show. It was the first show to have a character die. That's actually a common thing in Sentai, is one of the characters will die and be replaced, as opposed to just being written out of the show off screen like they hmm. do in Power Rangers. Huh. Um, and Sun Vulcan, it was also the first show to have, uh, it was the first show to have um, Zords that came together to form one robot. It's even a precursor to Voltron. So all of the vehicles in Sun Vulcan, some of the footage got reused in Turbo. It was kind of based on um, Transformers, which would have been mm-hmm. anime at the time in Japan before it really started making its way here. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the main one was a truck that looked just like Optimus Prime and they would all come together to form a Megazord. And that was the first time that you actually see that happening. I didn't realize nice. that that predated Voltron. That's Not awesome. Not by much. We're talking like 
you know, six months. So they were probably in the way that toy animation and other companies worked back then. It was probably the same production crew writing both shows. Mm, Makes sense. Because they really are a machine. Each of these shows, with the exception of the first, which went way too many episodes, <laughs> they have a very specific formula, and it's right. It's literally around like Christmas toy sales. So right around August, they introduce a new show, and then they introduce a whole bunch of new characters between August and December to gear up for um, Christmas toy sales. And then they go a full 52 episodes, and then that's the end of the show. They, you know, defeat the main bad guy, um, Pandora, Rita Repulsa, whoever it happens to be. They defeat them, They and then that storyline is wrapped up, and then the next year in August we get a whole new cast of characters, and it will run another 52 episodes. So, question. Um, mm-hmm. With with Power Rangers, there was a lot of, uh, at least for the first few seasons, there was a lot of, like, spillover to the next series uh, whereas like the storyline kind of arced through the series. Um, mm-hmm. Did they ever do it where it was like anything like that, where like one series kind of spilled over into the next series, or was it just like they had a story arc for one series, ended brand new story arc for the next series? So there was a series called Battle Fever J, which goes back and forth into being considered Sentai canon and not. It was produced by Marvel and Toy, and it was actually based on Captain America, but it looked nothing like Captain America. There were five Captain Americas that had shields, and they were all uh, Power Rangers. Oh, So huh. kind of in the same way they destroyed... Uh, spider-man to make it fit their model they did the same thing with the captain america origin of the super soldier and that was battle fever j which was very military oriented they had tanks and large weapons and that is the only one that i'm aware of to have a direct send-off where they did 52 episodes and then another 52 uh, with Common Rider, because they would all, you know, Common Rider, they have this thing called Superhero Time. So Saturday morning cartoons, they have a Common Rider, they have a Sentai, and then usually an Ultraman and an anime. And that's what they refer to as Saturday morning superhero time. The only show that had a direct sequel that I'm aware of is they did Common Rider Black in the 80s, and it was directly followed up by Common Rider Black RX. And those two shows would be the basis for Saban's Mast Rider, which was introduced in a backdoor pilot in Power Rangers Season 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they went to Endora, or the people from Endora came to Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what what, to, what series uh, did Big Bad Beetleborgs connect to? So that is from Metal Heroes, which is a uh, it's another tokusatsu show. It's I don't believe it's produced by Toy, but um, that is uh, beat. Uh, what was it? Um, it's like Beetle Buggle. So that is Metal Heroes, which started being produced in the eighties, and they had Space Sheriff Gavin, uh, Beetle Buggle, and then Battle Fever J goes back and forth in continuity whether they consider it to be a Metal Heroes show or a Sentai show, because it kind of went back and forth. Oh, that's confusing. Um, but VR Troopers is actually a Metal Heroes too. Oh wow! Oh no way! So, yeah. I didn't really have anything else to add on that. I just. (laughs) (laughs) So I swear I'm almost to Power Rangers. (laughs) So I'm just going to skip it. So I'm in, I'm in the late seventies. Now I'm in the eighties. 
Q, our uh, our second Power Rangers father after uh, Ishimori, is Haim Saban. Who Haim Saban is? He was born in Egypt, but he grew up in Israel, and he uh, actually started in music, and that's how he got into entertainment. Um, he went to school in France, and while he was in France, he started working for uh, the television producing company DIC. Or Dick. Mm, yep. Deke. However, uh, Deke. 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 Thank you. Yes, because it's yeah. French, so it's Deke. So while he uh, was working for Deke, and he was a um, music composer, he wrote the theme song for Dino Saucers, oh. He-Man, Inspector Gadget, and Mask. Oh my gosh. Oh, I used to love Mask. Uh, that was such a terrific show, um, and it's not like mask like Jim Carrey the mask. It's like a it's like a team of uh, like it's almost like a like a GI Joe meets Thundercats type thing where you had like special. Yes, like, that is a perfect way yeah, to describe. Or like an animated A team, like it was it's kind of like that. So what I don't know is if he produced the English. I know he produced the music for all of these shows. Uh, but I don't know if the, he produced the English lyrics because he was working for a French company on French adaptations. But I do know that he produced the original songs, which I believe the English language ones are based on. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I, I looked and looked and I couldn't figure out the answer to that. And then I realized we were supposed to be talking about Power Rangers and I had five pages of notes that were not Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So, Haim Saban, since they were working on producing, on doing a lot of anime adaptations, was sent over to Japan for research and to work with the production teams. And while he was there in his hotel room, he sh- saw a show called Bioman, which was a 1983 Sentai show that was very similar to the Power Rangers that we know and love. And he fell in love with the show, and because he was well-versed in adapting Asian content for a western market um he he right away saw potential in you know commercializing it licensing deals and just you know reshooting scenes reusing material and that became his pet project and they shot a pilot for bioman in the late 80s and he shopped it around he shopped the idea around for seven years they got really close in 1988 and that's when the pilot was shot but it wasn't until 1993 that he actually got anyone interested in um, in producing it when Fox Kids decided to pick it up. So before he could bring um, his adaptation of Sentai to the airwaves, USA Network actually produced a parody dub of a Sentai show called Dynaman. And they aired it at their late night block on Saturday nights, like at 11 p.m. So Dynaman is a, it was a six ranger crew and it was, um, it was a guy that it was a professor that had discovered an evil crime organization and he brought together resources to create a secret base in, um, 
to create a uh, secret base, and then he selected rangers to feed his squad. And then he had whole teams of computer nerds, and they were actually called the Computer Boys and Computer Girls, and they were like, you know, like eight, nine, ten-year-old kids, and they would just be seen in stock footage typing things into the computer and telling the rangers what to do and where things were going down and, you know, calling to their wristwatches and being like, hey, you know, we got to get down here. So... When USA Network picked it up, they didn't even pay attention to what the script was, and they just dubbed over it MXC style, like Most Extreme <laughs> Elimination Challenge. Did they have Did they have people and, like making total wipeouts on like platforms and stuff like that too? Uh, actually, pretty close. Yes, this uh, also <laughs> awesome. the, this lended itself well or great to a parody because one of the characters in it was an Asian cowboy, complete with six shooter and cowboy hat. So in the USA parody, uh, it was Dr. Ho's laboratory and daycare. That was their base of operations. Laboratory and daycare. Daycare. That seems... Because they had all the stuff, <laughs> they had all the stock footage of all the kids uh, <laughs> everywhere. And I don't know, laboratory and daycare don't seem that mutually exclusive to me now that I've had kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spend some time in my classroom, you'll see. <laughs> if you want to see the parody of Dynaman, you can watch it on a website called Night Flight, and they have the first twelve episodes streaming for free. Oh. If you want to see more, you got to pay seven ninety nine. Here it is. I know what I'll be doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so Haim Saban uh, shot his pilot, and uh, Steve Carditas was the Red Ranger in the uh, pilot of Bioman. Wait, isn't that and Rocky? Yes, he is rock. He ended up being Rocky in uh, Power Rangers when Austin St. John was replaced. Oh, <laughs> but okay. he was originally the Red Ranger in the original pilot. So no kidding. Q six years later, uh, 1993, Jurassic Park is all the rage and the toys are flying off the shelf. And this just so happens to be that uh, at the same time that a Sentai show had just wrapped up called Jew Ranger. It's actually spelled Z-Y-U Ranger. And for whatever reason, or not whatever, in Japanese, the Z is pronounced with a G inflection. Yeah. So it comes up as like Jew. Like Aju. Yeah, for like a French dip sandwich. Yeah, Yeah, I get (laughs) you. Exactly. I get you. So, Zhu Ranger is the Power Rangers that we know and love, with your Tyrannosaurus, uh, Pterodactyl, Mastodon, Sabretooth Tiger, and who am I forgetting? Brontosaurus? No. Well, Stegosaurus. Wait, wait, say what, what are the ones that you said? Tyrannosaurus, Sabretooth Tiger, Pterodactyl, uh, Pterodactyl Mastodon, Mastodon, Triceratops. Stegosaurus. Triceratops, that's it. Blue Ranger, yeah. yeah. Archaeopteryx. <laughs> Velociraptor. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Q, very popular dinosaur movie, tons of popular toys, and then suddenly we have this TV pilot that already has a, a licensing deal with Saban Films and has access to a whole bunch of robot dinosaurs. And boom, we have a TV series known as Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. The whole Bioman idea was dropped. Uh, Steve Carditas was moved over to VR Troopers, which uh, Saban was also trying to get off the ground at the same time, and he made its way to that show for its uh, short-lived, I think it was two-year run, and mm. I don't think they aired all the episodes. 
Yeah, that sounds but about right. And they aired them at like was, 6 in the morning, too. It was like the worst time slot. That was the only time I ever remember watching VR Troopers, yeah. and I loved it. I would get up super early before school and watch it. I wish I'd thought to record it back then, because until they put it on Netflix, it was almost impossible to find. Yeah, because probably not many people were watching it at 6 in the morning. I know like I would catch it every once in a while, um, but I was not nearly disciplined enough to get up and watch it routinely, so... So that brings us to Power Rangers. So as we know, Power Rangers is the story of Zordon, an interdimensional being who is uh, appearing into our dimension through, what was the name of the crystal? It was like some sort of space-time continuum or something like that. Yeah. And Rita Rita Repulsa uh, trapped him in there, and he in turn trapped her in a space dumpster. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so in Zhu Ranger, uh, the Rita Repulsa was named Pandora, and all of the Rangers were members of prehistoric tribes, and their Zords were actually real dinosaurs that were enhanced by a wizard who was never featured in the actual Power Rangers show. He was their Zordon character. Zordon is a completely U.S. invention. Al- although, fun fact. For the the Power Rangers, when you, when you were like a Power Rangers fan club or whatever, when they did the backstory of Zordon, they showed the the wizard of Zhu Ranger or however you pronounce it as being Zordon. I did not realize that. Yep, that's awesome. So in the in the Zhu Ranger series, what they did is um, all the five members of the tribes came together and they were trying to prevent Pandora from destroying the Earth. And the dinosaurs ended up going extinct, so they mostly succeeded. But they were able to banish um, Pandora to the moon and capture her. And all of the rangers were frozen intentionally should she ever return. And then two astronauts mistakenly opened the space dumpster and that that is what uh, leads her to coming back to continue trying to destroy the Earth, and that's why the Rangers are thawed out and reassembled. Which in is, the what's that? Which is pretty much the same story as far as Power Rangers, right? Because yes, in the in that sequence, it shows like these astronauts opening up the dumpster, and she comes out with all of her henchmen, and she wants to conquer Earth. Yes. And Zordon, in his infinite wisdom, selects five teenagers in their early 30s to defend the (laughs) realm of Earth. They hailed from Angel Grove High. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So one thing I didn't, going back to that sequence, one thing I never understood is why was the moon, why did the moon have a blue sky? You know, I never understood that either, and I don't know that it was actually explained. Or just maybe because the fact that they couldn't at the time have didn't have the technology to shoot space? I'm, I'm not sure why. I assume that they were just reusing the same filming locations, and a lot of it was probably outside, and they just thought it was easier to ignore the fact than have kids figure it out. <laughs> Don't worry, kids. That's what it looks like on the moon. It's fine. Exactly. And all the, you know, her gowns blowing in the wind when she's standing and going, I want to conquer Earth. (laughs) (laughs) So 
Zordon assembles his team of five teenagers in their early 30s and assigns them each a power <laughs> coin. <early 30s. laughs> They're in the uh, very, very uh, advanced program at their high school. <laughs> I always thought that's what, when I was younger, I was like, wow, teenagers look really old. <laughs> <laughs> they were each assigned a power coin of a random, what seemed to be a random dinosaur or prehistoric creature that gave them the power to transform into a Power Ranger so that they could defend Angel Grove, but never the rest of the world because their budget was too cheap and they were recycling footage from... They had 50 episodes to work with and they reused each of them 180 times. So didn't they even have to, like, re... Didn't they even have to uh, shoot some new Zoo Ranger footage for just for Power Rangers? Yes, uh, it wasn't until Power Rangers Turbo that Toy actually started sending them the uh, costume characters and suits and puppets that they used. So any of the effects that they couldn't make work from recycled footage, uh, they had to reproduce themselves, which is why some of the monsters you would only see from the back or at a distance. And then a lot of the a lot of the footage was reused over and over again, and the voices never matched the lips, hardly ever. Also, oh, you geez, could always yeah. tell when they were using the Green Ranger footage from Zoo Ranger, and when they were using footage from like American version, because his shield looked way messed up in the American footage as opposed to the Japanese footage. It was like squished. Yes. To, it was like squished together. Like his, his shield kind of curled up. Even like that doesn't look right. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite mismatch footage is uh, Zach, the original Black Ranger, played by Walter Jones, is missing one finger on his right hand. But anytime he's in his suit, he has all five fingers. I I never I never that. caught that. Yep, he is missing his middle finger on his right hand. That's really bizarre. I, I that seems like something that would be fairly noticeable. Yeah, I I never knew that. Guess not when you're in third I grade. Noti- <laughs> That's true. I don't know. A missing finger is stands out pretty well. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they did what they could to you know not make it terribly obvious, but. Actually, for the most part, if you go back and look through it, they never pointed it out or never they never tried to draw attention to it. But they also never skated away from it either. He was constantly putting his arm around Trini or high fiving people. And it would always be right in the for in the forefront. And it always drove me nuts. How have I never noticed that before? I have rewatched like especially the first three seasons numerous times and I have never caught that. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I just looked up a picture of him online, and it's true, and I'm never going to be able to unsee that. (laughs) So, the original Rangers were featured for 79 episodes. Um, Austin St. John, uh, along with Walter Jones and uh, Thu Thrang, uh, walked out on Saban because of money royalty issues. Um, Somewhere after... uh, 
It was in the seven. I think it was in the end of the second season. Yeah, it was the end of the second season. Uh, they got into a contract dispute because they were only making six hundred dollars a week because this was a non-union production show, oh and Saban was making millions in toy royalties, and they were asking for a raise to at least union minimum, which they did not. How receive. dare they? Wow. <laughs> So they, since they weren't making any money with Saban and they were, you know, big stars at the time, we'll either make it on our own or uh, Saban will pay us the money that we're owed and things will be good. And uh, Saban's response to this was to immediately write them off the show using stock footage. You could tell at what point that they walked out because you only saw like you only saw like every once in a while Trini smile or Zach high five somebody and then the rest of the time when they were in uh costume when they were in morph the voiceovers were not even close to the r- r- original actors voices yes <laughs> and then eventually so then eventually um during this period they started uh, bringing in the the three new actor, or the the two actors and the actress, the the red and the yellow and the black ranger as just civilians, and they would come in and be part of the storyline. Uh, but they weren't Power Rangers, and they eventually, I guess, didn't they? They found out the rangers' identities before they even became Power Rangers themselves. That is correct. They were assisting the Power Rangers with crowd control and the putties, and uh, they saw them morph, and that's when they realized that they were the Power Rangers. Um, that was Rocky, who was Steve Carditas. Um, uh, he replaced Austin right, St. John right. as the Red Ranger. Um, then you had uh, John Bosch, who was Adam. Uh, he took over for Walter as the Black Ranger. And then you had uh, Karen Ashley, uh, who took over for the Yellow Ranger trainee. And I'm trying to remember what um, Karen Ashley's character's name was in the show. At that Aisha. point, I had kind of... Yes, it was Aisha. Aisha. Yeah. I still watched it, but I was starting to phase out a little bit of Power Rangers. Well, you you haven't quite mentioned yet the ultimate anti-heroes of all anti-heroes. And that that is Bulk and Skull. Bulk and Skull. (laughs) So Bulk Bulk and Skull were like... So essentially the whole premise of Power Rangers is you have, like, like Paul said, you have... Uh, five 30-year-olds who are still in high school who uh, have to battle monsters basically every afternoon after school, but they still have algebra tests and, you know, pimples and regular, you know, teenager issues. And one of the issues is these uh, these two knucklehead bullies, like kids that grew up on the wrong side of the tracks that are always wearing like denim jackets and always calling people buttheads and stuff like that. They even <laughs> had their own theme song. Um, which we haven't even talked about how amazing the theme song is for Power Rangers yet. I'm sure Paul has a whole section on this too we'll talk about later. But just a quick little aside, um, is super kick-ass. Like that was like probably my first foray into like what I would consider power metal, you know? Um, So like up there with like Halloween and um, Blind Guardian and Dragon Force and stuff like that. Like it just blew my mind. The Balkan Skull theme is like some weird like tuba thing and then like some really <laughs> strange synth sound like it's like a boop, 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 boop. right <laughs> it's like the weirdest lo- <laughs> yeah 
and that's the thing is like they were like supposed to be like bad guys like bullies harassing the power rangers but they were also like you said the comic relief they were total knuckleheads at least once every other episode they get a pie in the face or something stupid like that like food I mean, would explode in their re- face yeah yeah really really cheap laughs um <laughs> but again you're in third grade so yes this is funny yes <laughs> right <laughs> But one thing about Bulk and Skull, though, so they kind of eventually did evolve, though. The first season, they were the bullies. And second season, they focused their attention on trying to find out who the actual Power Rangers really were. And they did come close. Oh, yeah. At I forgot one about that. point, yeah. they had a video recorder, and it showed the teenagers morphing into Power Rangers. And they were about ready to play it back. And then Zack uh, skillfully replaced it with a video footage of some animal at the zoo. I don't remember what it was, but, and then stock footage. footage, Yeah. (laughs) That's the most meta thing ever. If they replaced it with stock footage. (laughs) (laughs) And then the third season, they ended up deciding to go in and being a volunteer, uh, junior police officers for angel grow was like their last stick before, it changed over to the next series of Power Rangers, which was Zeo, excuse me. Sure. sure. And they were turned into monkeys. Oh, yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, they, they, they still maintain them as voice actors, and they spent a whole season where they were transformed into monkeys by one of the bad guys. And not until the last episode of that particular season where they changed back. Hmm. I didn't know that. Cost effective. <laughs> so Power Rangers, one of the things that I loved about Power Rangers was the fact that it had a lot of evolving storylines throughout the series. Um, so, for example, when the, when Tommy came on the scene and he he was the evil Green Ranger because Rita put him in, uh, under a spell, he eventually became the good guy for a short period of time as the Green Ranger. He left, came back as the White Ranger. Um, I, it, throughout the series the storylines kind of sort of carried over series after series. I, I really enjoyed that. And my, obviously my favorite uh, power ranger, it was the green ranger. I'm sure like every, Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> every third grade boy. By far and away the coolest. Yeah. And it, it was interesting uh, looking back now, like that character went on all the way up until like uh, is Turbo, I think it was, and then he finally they finally switched over, and I that was that was my that was my favorite part about the show, and it wasn't until uh, in space when they finally did that end to the overarching uh, storyline, yes. and then they started doing the uh, new storylines each series. Yes. So the Sentai shows had been doing the new storylines each series, which is where the costume change came in. Saban tried really hard to keep a continuity from 93 to 99. And they, like you said, they wrapped it up when they got to space where, you know, Zordon is finally allowed to go home and most of the evil is defeated. Actually, Zordon was destroyed. That's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. I was hoping it was going to be like a happy, like, no. Aladdin genie moment, but no. <laughs> Your third wish was for free me? That's so great. <laughs> no, doesn't, doesn't work that way. 
But you could definitely tell they were starting to struggle with that when they got to Zeo and then they introduced the ninja powers and yeah. the new Zords came in and they had Ninjor. And it's because none of the stock footage matched what they were trying to do in the storyline and it just got harder and harder for them to piece it together. And it really, if you look back at it, it got really hard in Zhu uh, Ranger in the first season because the Green Ranger was a good guy who was always there in Zhu Ranger. Wait, what? they re he was a good guy. He was he was a good guy in the original series in the in the Japanese series. And he was always the sixth ranger. And he did. He alternated in and out of um, he alternated in and out of being the guy in charge or the you know second in command. And actually, in Zhu Ranger, hmm. the Yellow Ranger was the second in command uh, for most of it, as was the Pink Ranger. They would alternate. So, in the Japanese series, they always had a female second in command. Wow! Which I don't think we've gotten yet. And in space, I guess we kind of did. Well, uh, interesting. So, so, kind of going on that uh, overarching theme, when they started doing the transition to the new. Instead of being Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, instead of doing like the same costumes for each change in Zords, they did Alien Rangers, and there was a female lead for the yes. Alien Rangers that were coming to visit to help the Power Rangers when they got turned to kids. And the Alien Rangers are from a show, and it's called Kaka Ranger. And I laugh every time I hear that. But apparently that is a form of ninja in Japan. And I'm sure uh. there's an inflection or a pronunciation that I'm saying wrong, but it's spelled it's, Kaka nope, Ranger. Nope, it's Kaka Rangers. And, yep. and I'm going with it. <laughs> and uh, so Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers, they were completely <laughs> stuck and they had they didn't get the suits from Toy yet. So that's where Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers came in because they're like, we can't continue our original storyline. We need to do this miniseries hurry so that we can figure out how to piece all the stuff together while they were building new sets and trying to get production correct. Oh, wow. All right, so before we continue Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers, we need to go back and talk about the Green Ranger saga, which we've mentioned a few times. But for me, that was the first must-see TV oh my of my life, yeah. where I had I to be actually, home to see the next part of the Green Ranger saga. I actually used to have the entire Green Ranger saga on VHS. Oh, I did too! Game. Sorry. I was like, That's so awesome. Yeah. I still do. Oh, it's behind it me. <laughs> so was that before or after Rita Repulsa was taken off this show? It was before. It was pre-Zed. Rita, uh, Rita was a main character during the Green Ranger saga. Gotcha. Yeah. Because she was the one that created the Green Ranger yep. as a means of trying to destroy gotcha. them. Gotcha. So Tommy Oliver was the new kid in school. He was a martial arts student that worked in the local gym. He had caught the eye of Kimberly, who had a small crush on him being the new kid. And Rita identified this and used him as a ploy by putting him under a brainwash spell and giving him power with the evil uh, dragon power coin. Oh, almost like an evil petting zoo. He was able to weasel his way into the power base and destroy a bunch of councils and cause all sorts of turmoil before finally they were able to convince him or his willpower broke the curse that Rita have had over was, him and he realized what he was doing. It was the Sword of Darkness. They were able to destroy the Sword of Darkness that uh, 
created the spell, I guess. Yes. Which I never understood because every single, like, uh, episode that they did something with, like, creating a, a, a spell on somebody, it had to do with some random artifact that all she had to do was destroy it and problem solved. <laughs> there were a lot of tropes in all of toy shows and much like, you know, posing in front of things exploding and, you know, the assembly of weapons that just sort of like all the way back to the seventies, these things just stuck yeah. and they just worked them way through. And that's one of those things that it's still that way. If you watch it today <laughs> <laughs> and God bless them. It's amazing. <laughs> so the Green Ranger saga was five parts. It introduced the Dragon Zord, and then I think it let, they showed glimpses of uh, Titanus, I believe, uh-huh. but he wasn't introduced. Titanus is yeah. the mega carrier that carried all the new Zords uh, once they had to transition from the Thunder Zords to wasn't Zeo? What was it in between? Yeah, it was Thunder Zords, right? Well, no, so because they went Titanus was for the Dino Zords, and then okay, and then when they did the Thunder Zords, if you could. Tor the shuttle zord was the new carrier but then once they got back to the ninja powers i think titana somehow was included in that somewhere yeah they brought the stock footage back i'm sure yeah (laughs) right right that was always my favorite part is they reused the same stock footage with different voiceover for every time they brought out the megazord so every movement everything it was was really genius yeah yeah, it was genius on the part of Saban because we were kids, so we all bought it. As long as it was telling a different story, we all thought it was amazing. But really, they were showing us the same right. 90 seconds of footage every week for 93 episodes. Right, <laughs> and how likely was it that you were going to watch every single episode like in continuity? How likely was that going to be? Probably yeah. not very Until likely, the Netflix you know? era, not very likely. <laughs> well, right, exactly. Well, in 93, they weren't even thinking about that. You were renting three episodes at a time from Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. So. so, as we mentioned, the original continuity of Power Rangers following what we consider to be the original Rangers and Zordon storyline goes all the way from 93 to 99 and ends with Power Rangers in space. And they have multiple team changes in there in between. But that is what's considered to be the core of the original series. And then after that, it switches to new, it switches to what Japan had done years earlier, which is we're going to introduce a theme for this show and then we're going to change it up two years later or sorry, one year later. And it was a, it was a 11 month cycle and in and out. And this is why, uh, with when they did Mega Rangers in like 2003, which was like the, it would have been the, 30th anniversary in japan but it would have been like the 10th or no it would have been like the 15th anniversary for us mm-hmm. um when the um was it i'm trying to remember what they called them and dan you might have to help me with this because i know you've watched more of the later ones than i have the, but when the the later ones uh uh-uh, no i've seen the early ones and i am pretty much gone once uh once uh time force happens gotcha 
So they did the uh, Mega Rangers, which was like the 15th anniversary series. And in the, for the U.S. Um, shows, they try and produce two seasons of 25 episodes featuring the same cast. And that was the formula that they chose to stick with. And they so they what would happen is they would do uh, Mega Rangers and then the next year would be Super, Super Mega, Mega Rangers. Rangers. OK, yeah. And that's how they would explain, you know, so they in like the, the most recent one, they did Ninja Steel and then Super Ninja Steel. And they did, they added super to explain the costume change. And normally the costumes don't change all that much, but in Mega Rangers to Super Mega Rangers in Japan, they did a pirate ranger where the Power Rangers <laughs> were pirates that were trying to steal the power of all the other Rangers. And when they had the power coin from the other Rangers of the past, they could transform into that Ranger. So they wrote it into the show that the Super Mega Rangers uh, had the essence of all the other Rangers and could transform. But when they weren't um, transforming, hmm. their standard form is they had like a Jolly Roger on their helmet <laughs> and they flew around in a giant pirate ship and they somehow just like yeah, by the way, in the summertime when we were in the off season, we got this pilot ship out of uh, out of the attic, and we're going to fly around in this now, and we're not going to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> eh, it's for kids; they're not going to. One this. of the things that I, I we forgot <laughs> to mention too about Power Rangers that all that as an adult, even as a kid, it baffled me too. Is like the Power Rangers always wore the exact same color every single time. Like, the Red Ranger yes. always wore mm -hmm. red, the Blue Ranger always wore blue, Yellow Ranger, and so on. And it's like, huh, you'd think that would become kind of curious to the other people who are trying to figure out who the Power Rangers are. Hmm, interesting. I just look for the 30-year-old teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> so, wasn't uh, Power Rangers in the Lost Galaxy part of the... Kind series of. as the well. Power Rangers and Lost Galaxy did have a new like overarching theme, but they did connect a little bits and pieces from in space. In fact, the bat the the main empress from in space, Astronma, I think was her name. She ended up becoming good, and then at one point in Lost Galaxy, she took over as the Pink Ranger because there was a death, quote unquote death, where the Pink Ranger died oh, but not really and she took yeah. over as the pink ranger so lost galaxy there was still some kind of leftover uh story arches but nothing too oh, yeah interesting and they even like later on in, in a few other series it was like power rangers dino thunder tommy the green ranger white ranger red ranger so on and so forth did come back again and he was kind of he ended up being the Zordon-esque person yes. who assembled a new team of Power Rangers and he ended up becoming the Black Ranger. So he in total, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but he was the Green Ranger, the White Ranger, the Red Ranger, and the Black Ranger. Yes. And now he's Jeez. also the White Dragon? Hopefully that Kickstarter hasn't been approved yet. We got 11 days, people. Give your money. <laughs> We're just waiting for him to become a park ranger now, you know. <laughs> it's forest time. That's right. <laughs> there you go. So Jason, Jason David Frank was originally meant to be written off the show, and he was going to go back over to VR Troopers, which he would guest star in as a different character. 
And uh, so when the green when the green power coin went away, he was supposed to go away. And then Sentai started to introduce teams of six rangers, and Saban was screwed. They had to come up with a sixth character. And since Jason da- Jason David Frank was so popular, they made Tommy Oliver the White Ranger. Okay, hmm. interesting. Hmm. And then. I would say that it's between him and Austin St. John for the character for the actors that have like kept their Power Rangers fame as they moved into other roles and always come back to it. They're the only two that seem to come back and guest star. And in the current season of Power Rangers, Austin St. John is actually going to be coming back as the Red Ranger uh, in the next couple of weeks. No kidding. He and well, Austin St. John or Jason, the character did come back as well as another six ranger in Zeo. He was the gold ranger. So there's a lot of like returning yeah. from different Power Rangers throughout the series. And they do they do crossover episodes where uh, there was like Forever Red in Time Force. Yep. And so they do a lot of like uh, previous teams will come back and and uh, fight an ultimate bad guy with the current team. So there is some crossover, but generally it's that one and done. And a lot of those crossovers come from in Japan at the end of each series, they do a summer movie and the summer movie, it always takes place while the main series is going on and it introduces what will be the next Ranger squad for the following year. So they always do a crossover movie. Like in between. And that's where a lot like when they do those like two part specials where they come back, that's where a lot of that footage comes from, which is why a lot of times uh, the special effects is so much better in those episodes than the rest of the show, because it was actually produced for a like 90 minute movie as opposed to just the standard half hour TV show. So and that's why they typically end up being two parters. I never, never knew any of that. So do you guys have any like particular favorite episodes or favorite characters that stand out? Well, obviously the, uh, the green ranger saga was one of my favorite, but also I would have to say, uh, the one where Goldar pilots his own Zord, that was a pretty epic, like overarching theme for a couple episodes where he got this, he got this Zord and Rita Repulsa even came down with her castle and it was if it, 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 it was looking like the Power Rangers were defeated because even the Zords, I think, got disintegrated or got put back into the earth, if I remember right. I can't remember. I honestly don't remember that at all. Yeah, it, if I'm remembering correctly, when I read about it, uh, that was supposed to be the final episode the uh, uh i don't remember the name of the zord that was supposed to be like the end and they had to reshoot parts of it because power rangers had become so popular and so profitable that they kept going with more episodes 
And that's a reoccurring theme with Power Rangers. It has almost been canceled twice. And it seems like whenever they're on the, or sorry, three times it's almost been canceled. And it seems like whenever they're on the verge of being canceled, they come out with a series that just knocks it out of the park. Like Power Rangers in space was supposed to be the last series. They were going to be canceled. And then that became hugely popular in syndication and they went right back into it. And the same is true when they got to, um, wild force and it just it seems like they they hit a lull and then they knock it out of the park and i think a lot of it has to do with whether or not the sentai series they're basing on gives them good material to work with yeah no that makes sense so adam uh what's your favorite episode uh well we kind of alluded to it already but the episode where tommy is uh is unveiled as the white ranger just because for you know probably at this time like six seven year old me that was like mind-blowing like oh my god he was gone and now he's back and he's a new power ranger holy crap yeah it was just it was mind-blowing for for little me to see him come back on the show so that was probably one of my favorites especially since they left it on a cliffhanger yeah. So when the actual reveal was going to happen, it like goes to just about the point right. where he's going to be revealed. And then it's like, all right, we'll show you who it is next time. And it's oh, like, ah! Yeah. Oh! <laughs> and they even try to add like uh, some minor characters in there to throw you off to make you think it's going to be one of those minor characters. I think yeah. uh, like a cousin of maybe Trini's was on there or no, it was a cousin of Zach's that was on there and then like somebody that were another helper that worked at the juice bar was there and so it, you it, you kind of thought maybe it might be one of them and then oh no it's Tommy again right hooray! right hip hip hooray so brian uh what's your favorite episode of power rangers so i know we talked a little bit earlier about must see tv when it comes to the power rangers and i i would have to say my must see my must-see TV moment with the Power Rangers was the beginning of season two uh, and the primetime premiere of uh, Lord Zed. Yeah, that was definitely like I remember like clearing the calendar. Nothing's going on this evening because we have to watch this episode. And the way they like kind of marketed him was that he was going to kind of be like a like a Goldar, you know, like a, a really tough monster, reoccurring character. But what ends up happening at the end of the episode is he ends up being the villain for like the next like 30 or 40 episodes. Like he takes over Rita's mm-hmm. position. He was such a badass too. Like he had this crazy, I don't know how you would describe the helmet, um, but his whole body was just essentially just sinewy muscle exposed everywhere, like no skin. And then he had like this crazy chrome helmet with red visors. It's almost like a knight's helmet, but like. A space knight, basically. He he was he was a total sinister badass. He was like oh, yeah. a reverse He Man. Like he had all the muscularness of it, and but instead of having like the stupor decked out like chest plate and loincloth, like with the cross armor, he had the chrome mask. Yep. yep. His staff. What one of the coolest things, like when he got introduced, and they never did it again. But his staff started out as a snake, and the snake slides up and turns into the staff. And I'm like, the first time I'm seeing this, my 
like fourth grade brains going, this is awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. <laughs> For sure. So good. And then he kind of like Lord Zed kind of eventually sort of turned out into like being this bumbling idiot, especially once, uh, once Zeo came around and the machine empire sort of took over, he really became like this just, yeah. I don't know, haphazardly, almost bulk and scully kind of yes. bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. I was really sad to see that character like go Eric that Matthews way. in season three of Boy Meets World. Just, just a <laughs> <Yeah>. total doofus. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I don't know if there's going to be a way that we can talk about all of this stuff in, in one concise episode. What do you guys think? Probably not. I mean, there is way too much we need to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we've yet. not really <laughs> even cracked into Zords or weapons or any of that stuff. So I think for now, I'm going to put a pin in this discussion, but I think we'll we'll release another bonus episode sometime in the next two or three weeks um, where we'll, uh, we'll invite Dan back on the show to, to kind of talk about some of these other things that we've only glossed over at this point hopefully you're as big of power rangers fans as we are especially (laughs) paul and dan (laughs) um and uh (laughs) i think at this point we're gonna press pause on the mighty Morphin power rangers and now we're gonna move on to a little segment we like to call Well, yes. I have devised a trivia question for my co-host to answer. I'll let Dan answer, but much like whose line is it anyway, his points won't matter. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Whoever is closest will get to lead their chat next week. Brian has cheers, and Adam has guess who. You guys ready? Yes. Do it. Yep. All right. As I alluded at the beginning of the show with the term Henshin Heroes, I mentioned that there was a certain number of Super Sentai shows that Power Ranger has pulled footage from. How many Super Sentai shows have there been since 1975? Oh, Super Sentai since 1975? I thought you meant that adapted to Power Rangers. Both, because all the ones from 75 on have made it into Power Rangers at some point oh, okay. in time. Gotcha. Uh, I know you said 48 at the top of the episode, but I'm pretty sure that was just a joke. Um, I'm yep. going to say 22. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say 53. I was going to say 26. Well, Ballpark. Now you guys are going to make me do math, but I'm pretty sure Adam is closer because the answer is 43. Oh, gosh. I think oh, Adam wow. is closer. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, 22. So I'm... Carry the one. Yeah. <laughs> Kindergarten math teacher, help me out. <laughs> um, no, I think Adam is closer. I... 22. Yeah. Yep, there have been a total of 45 Sentai series, but 43 of them have been adapted into Power Rangers, if only in stock footage. But that's 43 rain- or That's forty-three sets of Rangers to choose from. Holy crap. Jeez, that's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> toys, 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 toys. Yes, absolutely. Well, there you have it. Adam is going to be guiding us through the land of speaking of toys. Guess who the board game next time? I still have Cheers in my pocket. 
Uh, and now we're going to go visit the Hopper of Imagination to get a new topic for Paul. We want to remind all of our listeners that if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, you can submit those at our website, www.datingourselvespodcast.com. I have three categories for you. Each category has a topic associated with it. You pick the category. I give you the topic. Sound good? Sound good. All right. Your topics or categories for this week are pop culture, events, and TV series. Ooh. Well, I just did a TV series. We haven't done many events either. Yeah, I I feel like... I'm probably going to go with event, but I'm curious, like, we, everything is pop culture, so I feel like that could, that's like the potpourri for this show, yeah. so that the, could be is there, a, is there a subcategory, Adam, for, for pop culture? Um, Do I see it? Oh, okay, fashion? Fashion hmm. is smashing, that's what Smash Mouth said. I don't really want to talk about chokers again. <laughs> <laughs> um... I'm going to go with event because it sounds interesting and we haven't done one since Y2K. This is true. And uh, this one should Please be... not OJ. Please not OJ. <laughs> not, not OJ, but it is another pretty controversial moment in American history. Uh, Paul, your topic is going to be Monica Lewinsky. Wow. Oh, my. Out of all the presidential scandals I could have selected... I have never been more happy in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, (laughs) I was never expecting us to have something quite so uh, politically uh, charged. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Well, there you have it, guys. Thanks for joining us on Dating Ourselves. We will be continuing this discussion on Power Rangers on a future episode in a few weeks. uh, So definitely be sure to tune in on that. It'll be on one of our off weeks uh, to kind of wrap up this topic. Um, And also be sure to check us out in two weeks uh, when Adam will be talking about Guess Who and in future weeks where I'll be discussing Cheers, where everybody will know our names and Monica Lewinsky, where everyone will know what your dress looks like. (laughs) Thanks again for joining us on Dating Ourselves. And if you like what you heard, there's always more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us your submissions at datingourselvespodcast.aol.com. We've got mail. Oh, well, I, did, I didn't say that. Oh, oh shoot. <laughs> Darn. I just want to say, I just want to say, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, at yeah. some point, I forgot we were recording because I was having so much fun reminiscing. And right, no kidding. I'm excited that we're going to get to do it again in a couple weeks. Yes, yeah, thanks absolutely. For, th- thanks for having me on, guys. It has been a blast, and I listen all the time to the show, so it's been an honor to be a part of it. Well, cool. Yeah. We're glad to have you on. Definitely, definitely. Well, that said, in addition to iTunes, you can find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwbackion. Throwbackion. We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at datingourselvespodcast. And we do the Twitter thing too, at datedpodcast. 
And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye.